Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moran. So this week on the podcast, we have Paul Meskel. Paul is an actor and a singer based in Dublin, but who's actually currently living in London uh, because he is rehearsing Plough in the Stars. Uh, that's going to be in the Lyric Hammersmith before coming back to the Gaiety Theatre. Uh, it's a smashing production. Uh, I actually saw it a, a couple of years ago when Paul wasn't actually in it, but Paul's stepped in uh, to this production, um, which is great news because Paul really is a smashing performer. Um, you might have seen Paul in The Great Gatsby uh, at the gate. He's also been in The Red Shoes, uh, and he's also got a really exciting project coming up in the summer that I'm sure um, we're all going to hear about very soon, um, but I know he can't talk about that right now. Paul's one of them people who I'm really glad to get in the podcast now because I have a feeling in uh, a little time he's going to be way too big for us because uh, he's an absolute rock star, but he's a gentleman, um, and he's been doing so well since his graduation. We kind of talk about it um, because it's been a kind of whirlwind few uh, months for him and I've known Paul for years so it's just amazing to see how well he's doing in other news guys uh, really really exciting news and I've been teasing this out for a little while but I'm delighted to announce that my play Lyrics uh, is going to be on in the theatre upstairs from the 31st of March until April 14th uh, it's uh, it's called Lyrics it's a, a brand new play uh, it's got some music in it as well and um, some songs that I've written uh, and I'm delighted to say that it's starring the wonderful Danielle Galligan uh, myself and at the helm Romana Testaseca is directing um, it, it's a bit of a powerhouse team we've also got uh, the amazing Ellie Hendry the wonderful Kira Mernand the brilliant Shane Gill and we have some uh, stunning posters designed um, from Steve Murray and also my little brother uh, is going to be involved with some of the, the video stuff and the promo um, stuff in that way so that's Ben Moran as well so it's a powerhouse team and um, we're delighted to be able to bring it to you it's been a long time in the works and um, we're actually in the last week of our Fund It campaign now uh, the fund has been going so well but if you do listen to this podcast uh, I promise you it'll always be free uh, but if you want to support uh, me and the endeavours that I get up to outside of the podcast which is mainly my acting and writing work uh, any few bob that you might have to spare whether that be the price of the pint or something more significant um, will be so appreciated and I promise you will go a long way and you can check that out uh, on my Twitter uh, Facebook um, whatever it might be but it's at funded uh, .ie forward slash lyrics um, so anything that you can give it all would be so appreciated in making this show possible but as I said yeah lyrics is really exciting um, from my point of view I've been working on it uh, for years to be honest um, I've put like thousands of hours into it uh, which sounds hyperbolic hyperbole-esque whatever it might be uh, but it's actually true um, and uh, I'm really excited to bring it to the world um, and the theatre upstairs is a brilliant venue and we're liaising very closely with Carl uh, and Laura and I'll keep you up to date on all the info so, um, but yeah, tickets um, are going to be on sale uh, maybe even this week. So be sure to keep an eye um, on all the bits and bobs uh, and come and check us out because it's very, very exciting. In other news, I am working out at the mill at the moment on Romeo and Juliet, uh, playing Romeo, which is so much fun. Kind of a dream role. Uh, it's deadly to do it before I get uh, too old and wrinkly. Um, so it, it's wonderful to do that. So if you're about over the next couple of weeks, come and check us out at the Mill Theatre in Dundrum. And uh, yeah, other than that, some deadly uh, episodes coming up uh, on the podcast. Um, so do uh, be sure that you are subscribed and all that good stuff. And until then, enjoy the wonderful Paul Meskel playing Personality Bingo with Tom Moran. So guys, that was Paul Meskel playing Personality Bingo with Tom Moran. A massive thank you to Paul for taking the time to do it. As I said, Paul's just been on this ridiculous streak of shows. If it sounds kind of like 
I'm building it up to something that uh, it isn't. I'm not really um, what Paul did. Like upon graduating from college, is kind of unprecedented uh, in the in the sense of like how many wonderful jobs he got and has gotten in a row and is continuing to get. And um, it's one of them things that is just so well deserved. Uh, we talk about it on the podcast, but he's a gentleman. He's so talented, and um, it, it's really great to see. Um, I don't know, just someone burst onto the scene uh, as seamlessly as Paul has. Uh, I'm really proud of him because, uh, like, uh, we talk on the podcast, like, we did Lay Miz together when we were teenagers and, like, <laughs> life was that little bit more simple and uh, it's really nice to kind of see uh, how we both evolved, I suppose, but um, he, he's a really good friend and um, someone I have a lot of time for and I'm just so excited to see what happens in uh, his career and in his life because he's a very, very special dude and, uh, Paul, if you're listening, thank you so much for taking the time to do it. Uh, as I said, in other news, guys, so excited to be bringing Lyrics to Dublin. Um, Lyrics is a play that I've been working on for a long time. It's uh, set in uh, after hours at an open mic night. We've got the brilliant Danielle Galligan, uh, who's she's in all the plays. She's been a uh, She's been on the Abbey stage with Rough Magic's The Train. Um, she's been in The Gate as part of the cast of The Heiress. Uh, she just finished up um, All Honey, which is um, written by former guest of the show, Kira Smith. Uh, that was also at The Fringe. Um, she's also uh, just starred in Cinderella uh, at Smock Alley for the Christmas, where she played the titular role. Um, look, she's been around all the things. She graduated from the Lear, and she's an absolute rock star. She's been amazing to work with so far, and I'm so excited to bring the piece to you. And uh, my my wonderful, wonderful, wonderful friend Romana Testaseca is uh, at the helm directing, and um, it, it's so special to get to work with Romana. Like we do, kind of kill each other sometimes, but we've got such a special shorthand that uh, I, I think it, 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 it in the end uh, makes for a really good product. I hope. Um, so look, it's it's coming, and as I said, the, the rest of the team are just complete rock stars. I'll tell you more about it the closer we get. But uh, if you do have anything to spare, we are doing the whole crowdfunding thing because uh, as a company, we are not funded, and um, theatre is a surprisingly expensive of endeavor so if you had anything to spare get to fund it and um throw a few shilling our way you can check us out on um twitter uh, all the details are on my twitter page and also on um facebook at uh, squad productions and as i said anything at all that you might have is so so appreciated because um yeah we need your help to make it possible uh, in other news come check me out in romeo and juliet at the mill theater uh, we've got a couple of weeks left there it's been a deadly uh, time so far um, and we've got some evening shows coming up uh, i think wednesday the 14th um of march is uh, one of our evening shows and then lyrics is upon us really at uh, the 31st of march as i said it's in the wonderful theater upstairs which is the kind of biggest hub of new writing in dublin um cal shields and laura honan um, are absolute rock stars in that way and they just do so much work for new writers and um, so it's very exciting that we're actually opening their season they put a lot of faith in us really uh, to open their 2018 season and i'm very proud to be able to do that with this play and um, so if you're about to come and see us it's in the theater upstairs it's above lanagan's pub uh, on the keys dublin one couldn't be more central if you tried and uh, yeah guys it's very very exciting news so other than that um nothing to report except for tune back in next week when finbar doyle plays personality bingo with tom moran
Paul Mescal, ready to play personality bingo? Yes. All right, let's do it. So uh, I'll give a quick explainer of how it all works. So basically, I'm going to put 60 minutes on the clock. Mm-hmm. There are 60 balls in here, and there are 60 corresponding questions here. I've also given you five numbers on that sheet of paper. Would you do me a favor and read out the five? I will indeed. It's 4, 10, 29, 37, and 51. Nice one. Would you do me a favor and pick a, a six number, something between one and 60 that's not already there? One and 60. Done. Number six. Number six. Any reason? Uh, yes, uh, I used to play Gaelic football and that was my number, so that's yeah. my lucky number. Centre half back. Yes, oh, indeed. Yeah. You have to talk about that later because yes. it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of the weird things about you that you're like very good at football. It's, it's, it's actually just so rare to meet like um, men in theatre or probably into football as well. Yeah, it, but the, that like the football came first, so I kind of fell into theatre at a later date, but football was kind of like the big dream when I was younger and then. It all just kind of fell into place in the opposite direction. But yeah, definitely a huge, huge part of my life growing like, up, yeah. There's such a chunk of County Kildare that's just like, what the <laughs> fuck is that idiot doing? Exactly, like literally, any time I go back to Maynooth or I venture south, I got like, it's like, oh, so much potential, so much. And it's like, lads, it's not going to pay the bills at the end of the day. Like, I know. I know, it just doesn't, it doesn't but like, yeah, mad. Bizarre. Mad. All right, look, we'll get to it all. Right, yes. um, and I should say that if all six of them numbers do come out, then the tables are turned and you get to then ask me any question in the whole wide I world. I can't wait. All right, okay, sweet. Let's give it a run. I'm feeling the pressure. Yeah, 100%. All right, here we go. Number 40, do you have it? Nope. All right, number 40. Question is, what is your biggest downfall when it comes to being healthy? Oh, uh, probably cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely cigarettes. 100% I shouldn't be doing it but I enjoy smoking <laughs> so yeah no I'm gonna once the show finishes I'm gonna try and stop I know that's the plan it was that's so funny I, I hadn't seen you in a while and I remember we were walking through town uh, and you took out the smoke my mum's gonna be listening to this and my poor sister and they're gonna be raging but yeah yeah no but I was, I was so surprised because like I don't know it was it, it was it's, but it's always really interesting when because we met each other probably were, were you we did Les Mis together basically where, yeah f- about five years ago yeah yeah and yeah. you were Javert yes. we were Valjean we might reenact the confrontation <laughs> look we'll see end. where we get to we'll see where we get to <laughs> but, um, but when I met you especially like you were like I don't think you were definitely hadn't drunk at that stage no and uh, either had I as far as I know or maybe I had just started what age I was what age I was 16 and that you were seven. Th- then I would have been I was either 17 or 18 yeah, 17 or 18 yeah so um, but yeah I was so surprised so how did this, how did you fall into the smoking how did I fall into the smoking it was a dark dark time no uh, I kind of just see like again talking about football but like I I loved it but it was like it was almost like it was such a regiment it was such a regimented lifestyle from like when I was playing minor from 15 through to 18 it was just like like it was a huge portion of your life and I, I like it's something that I definitely look back on when I'm acting that it's, it's something that I'm glad to have that regiment and that kind of kind of personal drive to be like this is what I have to do to do this to do x and y and then when the football kind of relaxed I was like it wasn't something that I fell into I just had more freedom and I was just kind of like I want to try this and then I kind of have an addictive personality so that's where it was a tro- it was a match made in heaven I suppose yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. no but like uh, it's probably bad to say but I enjoy smoking I'm gonna definitely try and stop though yeah but it's one of the things as well you've not been it's not like you've been doing it like your whole life no 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 it's one of those stupid phases that I'll look back on and be like Paul you're an idiot but uh no, that, I kind of fell into it when the football kind of 
stopped for me and then I was like look at I can drink and smoke to my heart's content I know yeah so what what in terms of then like going from that like lifestyle of like playing like football like as you said yeah. football won't pay the bills but like Gaelic football is as close to professional football like as you're gonna get in this country really yeah. do you know what I mean it's I ridiculous like it was like I remember like again 50, like I played with Kildare from about 15 till I was 20 so I was in second year in college till, till I was about 20 and so I didn't like I wasn't even smoking or really drinking in college I only that kind of only happened later but uh it was like it's a huge it's a huge commitment like it was th three or four nights a week over in Newbridge which from college was like an hour and ten minutes and it was every Tuesday and Thursday evening and then you'd have to go to the gym but then you'd have oh, it was also I had to get like specific programs given to me because I wasn't allowed to like build up a huge amount of mass because of the nature of the college thing and it was a it, it's just a massive commitment and I like the thing is I loved that commitment but it just I remember going into third year I was like no I'm just gonna I had made that decision up in my head from once I got into the year I was like no third year is gonna be about the about the year itself which I was, it was a huge commitment massive commitment did, but, you, yeah. did you have managers like sit you down and be like I don't think you realise like what you're walking away from here because realistically yeah. is it fair to say that if you were still playing there's a very very good chance you would be playing first team football for the Kildare senior team well like if if it was going at the rate that it was going on I probably like I was kind of I trained with the senior team a little bit well, I wasn't even I was like screened like and then I had to walk away from it because of college but like I'd like to say that there, were, there would have been a good possibility and I remember there was an article that came out from one of like my coaches from minors and then Brian Lacey and uh, it was before it was like a preview to Kildare playing Armagh in something like the la I think it was the last round of the qualifiers or something they were saying uh, uh, Paul Meskell would have been starting and like it, it's just it's just a mad because it's completely it's like a complete past tense thing for me at the moment but uh, yeah it's, it's something that you kind of look back at when you see like like lads from home like the likes of lads you've grown up with and they're going off and playing in Croke Park and you're like oh you kind of miss those days, but you don't miss doing figure eights on a Tuesday night in the middle of December yeah. when the ground's full of shit. I was just like, nah, yeah. Do you ever think there's going to be like a, a world where you get to go back and play a little bit? Do I think there's a world? Probably not, but it's kind of a mild fantasy of mine yeah. that there'll be like a six-month gap and I'll be flying fit and nah, good luck. I'd, I'd, like, I'd love to, I, I went back and played with the club a bit but it's just like as you know yourself if you get injured it's a job gone here and you just it's going to go to someone else so it's like it's it's not worth the risk it's one of them things I've said it to a few other lads but like someone needs to write a TV show Stop. or a film it would be the funniest thing because those characters you come across about a ga team you have the they're such archetypes there Like there used to be one right and it was shot in Dunboyne and it was called On Home Ground and loads oh, of people Jesus. in it Louise Kiley was in it like, lo and like an almost like it feels like almost all the cast of like Love Hate yeah. were in it about whatever like 10 years before they were they in were Love Hate oh amazing and uh, I don't know was the show any good because I've tried to find it online I can't find it but I just remember that the the like Dunboyne minor team or under 21 team used to work as the ext extras so they'd be the other team playing do you know that what I mean amazing. I was like Give my eye teeth to be in something like that. Yeah, that would be the perfect fusion of like, yeah, that would be amazing. It would be amazing. But look, we'll 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 dream on. Yes, exactly. Okay, let's rock. Alright, number thirty-four. Do you have it? I do not. Alright, number thirty-four. 
Oh, yeah. Are you... Where do you come in your family? Are you an only child, middle child? The eldest. The eldest. Of two. My brother, Donnick and Nell. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think being an eldest like? What does it mean to you? Ooh, uh, what does it mean? It means you kind of get to fuck up first, and depending on your fuck ups, it has a different ramifications on a different ramifications on your siblings. But uh, look, my parent, like my parents, are absolutely amazing. To like, for me to turn around literally in the middle of CAO in sixth year and be like, go from like law and arts to Maynooth that would coincide with playing football to then going. Look, lads, I don't want to do this. Then applying for the Lear and getting my application kind of in late to just go, right, let's go for it. And then my brother, who's uh, in sixth year in Blackrock at the moment, he literally went over to Blackrock to play rugby in TY. And it's a massive expense. And the money, like, the money like just wasn't there at home. And they found a way to put it together. And same with my sister. They're just brilliant, brilliant people. Mm-hmm. They look, yeah, but I sp- in terms of being the eldest, I suppose... I think it really depends on your family setup, and I think if the fact that my siblings got to saw my parents support me in what I wanted to do gives them a kind of liberation to actually look at the world and be like, okay, I can do that, I can be this, I can do, and their parents are going to support them. So I think it's yeah, I think it kind of comes from your parents, depending on how how they look after you, I suppose. Do you find it tricky in terms of like, so you're someone who's come out of like a really intense program in the Lear which so actor training is just intense by its nature the Lear is intense in its nature then like you've gone straight into like some of the top jobs in the country which I can only assume has been intense Yeah. do you find it tricky to like make the time now like to get back to your family and in in something that like because to a degree to do like what you're doing you need to be like a little bit selfish in the sense you need to mind your voice you need to mind your energy or you can't do your job right how do you reconcile that it's that's actually something that I find really difficult because as you said, it's kind of a selfish selfish thing and it's an obsessive, there's an obsessive nature to it that you go, right, this is my priority from October the 22nd to January the 27th. That it's just that, that becomes your world essentially and a similar thing happened with Gatsby, it was just like all consuming and then when it finishes, you kind of step back and you're like, jeez, I neglected that part of my life, I neglected family, but it's like, they do understand it because it's something that I hope I'll get better at balancing the two as life moves on but uh, it's definitely a big challenge it's mm. definitely a big challenge yeah yeah yeah. I always like I always I struggle with that sometimes because you're like especially when you've got younger siblings because you know there's that like it's not stereotypical but there's that and I don't know it's a pressure either but to be like a good older yeah. brother and you oh, know when you move out of home at a young enough age because you've yeah. probably at home two years at two, this two and a half years yeah yeah so yeah. It, it, it's tricky because you're like away but you still like have to be still like, come home from for Sunday for a Sunday roast delighted with like literally that like I f- filled out the cliche of like bringing dirty washing home during college did the whole shebang and like it was actually really difficult on this play because my sister had major back surgery because mum was always shouting at her about her posture she's like Nell sit upright sit upright but she had like what was it Sherman's kyphosis I hope that I got that right but it's like essentially scoliosis and she went in eight hours of surgery she came out of the surgery two and a half inches taller and I didn't get to see her till four days after the surgery because of we were in the middle of tech and I was like that was I found that really difficult because you're like that like your head is kind of completely focused here but there's that bit pulling and being like I need to go over and see my sister Mm. but yeah she's amazing after she recovered so quickly but it's a long enough process like eight hours of surgery for a 13 year old girl like 
yeah it's, it's hard like yeah that's tough how's yeah. she doing now she's doing really well yeah Good. she's at home going back to school kind of yeah going in and out of school as Good. her back allows her yeah like most people would be like you know delighted with their extra two and a half inches <laughs> but like stop it's a big big thing to compensate for yeah yeah but it's it's like yeah but eight and a half hour surgery at that it's, age yeah it's huge I remember being like fuck and I, I knew that it was going I wasn't going to get to see her because of tech and I like as it leads up to you like okay that's going to be fine I'll see her when I see her but when you're actually getting updates on the whatsapp of being like okay she's taking her first steps and you're like Jesus I need to get over and see her mm. yeah. yeah and then you feel just Im- incredibly guilty even though there's nothing you can really do because you go over and you're kind of semi-apologising set but they understand so yeah but that was tough yeah do you know what's so funny like because from like an outside perspective and I'm sure you're aware of this like you're someone who's come out of college like and, and kind of had like the dream start 100% yeah in the sense of going into like probably the biggest show of last year which was Great Gatsby and mm-hmm. playing Gatsby in yeah. it at like such a young age like yeah. so quickly like you were still in college when you got the gig yeah so like that's just so many incredible things like do you find it difficult to give yourself like what, what what am I trying to say that like okay all this brilliant stuff is happening on one hand mm-hmm. but then at the same time like there's difficult stuff happening in your personal life like 100%. that like other things how do you reconcile that I'm not good at that yet okay. I'm really not good at that yet uh, yeah I, that's that's I suppose that's a big question and I don't I don't have the answer for that I suppose I suppose I'm just hoping that time will will tell in terms of that that I'll be able to go right this is what this means from past experiences that that's not real this is real this is because it's such a it's such a fluid business we're in that it's like you're you're with these people you're with that your family's over here and everything's moving and everything's so you're jumping into everything feet first because it's the nature of the job that you want to commit to everything and then there's kind of a surreal sense of reality comes about as a result of that and uh, it's about getting better at delineating which is which yeah. I think and I'm getting a little bit better at that but it's it's, a, it's a definitely a work in progress was at any point have you experienced or have you been afraid of experiencing begrudgery uh, uh, because of just how brilliant your start has been um, honestly I haven't experienced that from the people that I care about and that's literally that's something that I've wanted to, to check I was like the people that care about me will be there if it's shit or if it's brilliant and uh, I've been I have a great family around me and great set of friends that really I rely on and yeah like you like you might get like passing comments in like a bar when everyone's locked from someone that you don't really care about and you're like okay that's fine that's that's also happening but that's I'm actually okay with that yeah I'm, I'm completely okay with that because it's like we don't really know each other so it's okay to say that and it's gas it's all hilarious ha 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 let's go to a different place yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah as you said yeah when it's like the people who are closest to you yeah because, yeah, because yeah. yeah but it is so funny like even we were talking like off mic and we were talking about like uh, the, you know the next few months for both of us and yeah. like neither of us exactly know what we're doing we both have like a few ideas of what we might probably be doing yeah but like it's it, it's very especially like I, I guess going back to like you know for example with the Kildare lads or like with, with the football because that's such as you said such a regimented life oh yeah like they plan their whole year around like when championship is when they can go on holidays yeah. in this two week window does that work with the club fixtures whereas now you're in a thing where like every three months realistically like you're just changing everything yeah 100% and you're that's, that, that's what I mean by that kind of uh, like delineation between reality and surreality that you're like 
these people that you're in a cast with now are your family for three months then that finishes and on the 22nd of October it's a new family and then it's like it's about trying to find I was talking to uh, students in the Lear actually about like the business being like a big graph that's up and down the whole time and what I've started to realise is that you need to find something that cuts the graph right down in the middle as a safety net or not even as a safety net just that something is incredibly comfortable and safe regardless of the ups or the downs What have you found to be that thing that can cut through the graph? Um my friends and family and and the gym and sport those two things and music I've started to learn the piano so those those kind of things are are the things that like regardless of my mood I'll get a a kind of safe feeling from it yeah mm. what kind of stuff do you, are you doing like gym wise now like going from like what must have been so intense like you must have yeah. been so fit playing at the level of football you're playing how it's, do you balance I, it I'm, I'm kind of at the moment I'm tr- like I I'm trying to just base it on cardio and kind of lightweight stuff because like w- the industry that we're in like it's frowned upon if you're too big or it's frowned upon if you're too small so it's trying to I, I, I suppose just about trying to keep your body in a healthy strong place mm. and I think cardio and anything that just makes you sweat a lot I think I feel better when I come out of the gym, gym as a result yeah like you, you walk in there and you see people sitting at weight racks for like 20 minutes and they'll lift three ridiculously heavy weights and then they'll be finished for 20 minutes and it's just like I, I like that just wouldn't give me any sense of gratification I'd rather mm. just sweat for about half an hour and then just leave <laughs> do you miss the competitive side of football and like the because the, I mean I guess in some way I know it's not the same but like yeah. in some way in a cast you're getting still that sense of teamwork in a way yeah, and yeah. that community but you're not really getting that competitive that competitive like backs to the wall us against them yeah yeah I, I do miss that that's probably the thing that I miss the most in terms of that kind of primal thing that happens when you go out to play a match. But uh, yeah, I, I miss it to a certain degree, but I don't miss it enough to turn my back on what's happening at the moment. Yeah, Of course. Do you think it's been helpful for you so far in like jobs you've done, like opening nights of them, big shows, auditions that you might have done? Yeah. That, like the fact that you've played in Croke Park in front of like tens of thousands of people? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I suppose somewhere it does and I'm a big advocate that like performance in sport and performance on the stage or on screen there's kind of a similar mindset that I haven't really tapped fully yet but I'm definitely aware that it's there do you know it's I think it's something that definitely crosses the disciplines and I don't know I don't I think it's kind of an intangible thing yeah. it's hard to describe yeah but it, it definitely is that thing that's like right now it's Lights up, or now the whistle's blowing. It's a, it's the similar feeling in the gut of your stomach. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Let's give it a go. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Number fifty nine. Do you have it? I don't. All right. Number fifty nine. Question is: What is your relationship to your phone? What is my relationship to my phone? It's unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like. I uh, I'm a big fan of like Instagram. Well, to be fair, I have deleted. I'm like seriously contemplating deleting Facebook but the only thing that's keeping me there is Messenger so you uh, can delete Facebook and keep Messenger can you yes okay well I've deleted the app off my phone but then like I'll wake up in the morning and be like I'll just go onto the internet and search Facebook and yeah but uh, my relationship is probably unhealthy but yeah we're making strides strides yeah 
what's your like backstage routine what do you do when you're not on stage do you, are you like read a book on a guy it's, yeah well uh, it's funny I'm reading a book called 501 Most Notorious Crimes okay. it just happens to be sitting down there in the green room and because uh, they're little like bite size pages on like Jeffrey Dahmer or fucking mad people and you're just kind of like yeah that's what I'm reading at the moment uh, but uh, yeah no the, the nature of the show it's um we're kind of always on and off moving set or it's the nature of the show that's quite ensemble based so there's not really time to go up to your dressing room and kind of chill out mm. so it's you're kind of always on standby to a certain degree but that's the book I'm reading at the moment much to the detriment of many people in the green room who are like put that book down please Paul yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're getting ideas creeping us out yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> alright uh, okay number 42 do you have it? no alright number 42 question is what is your biggest career disappointment? What is my biggest career disappointment? Um, uh, oh God, I find that... I haven't... There hasn't been anything that's jumped out to me as a massive disappointment. Uh, I suppose, like you said, like, I su- like initially when, when, like jobs are coming in and you're sending self-tapes away and you're like I'm perfect for this part I'm so gonna get it and you're sending them away and you just hear nothing back that's something that I learned a lot from initially and being like okay everything you send away Paul is gonna come back to you as an offer but um, I haven't had like there's nothing that jumps out to me as a big moment of disappointment mm, that's great yeah it's great uh, for the moment <laughs> it's around the corner I'm sure but uh, yeah I think the whole self-tape thing is like awful because you're like sending it away into the ether you don't know who's looking at it and then it's you've put work into it and yeah but that's life that's the business yeah I mean when you think about to turn the question around when you think about career disappointment when you think about then career success what does that look like for you at this moment at the moment it's uh I suppose it's utilising the wonderful start that I've had in this business and trying to just stay on the wave of work and making work that I'm excited by and working with people that I'm excited by. I think that's literally what success looks like for me at the moment, that it's project-based and that it's exciting for me and it fulfils a kind of creative uh, aspiration, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Like, do you look? Do you? What? 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 What do you think about things like London or the states? Even. Um. Uh. See, the thing is, I'm my agent, wonderful Lara Beach, is in London. So, that that like that's definitely something that I would be eager to try at some point, but definitely not at the moment, because I I think it it depends. Like, I I wouldn't go over to London necessarily, and this could change an hour an hour away but uh, I wouldn't go over there without work for example mm. because I think the work being made in Dublin is too good at the moment and too exciting to be like yeah I just think we're like with the likes of Selena and Graham and Neil coming in there's like work that is challenging things and that excites me and to be in the middle of that is also very exciting yeah do you think in terms of career that you see yourself 
Is your ideal career where you work mainly on the stage, mainly on the screen, or are you one of the people that wants to try and find that happy medium? Um, at the moment, it's definitely what I, and it's, I suppose it's something that I'm just, it's because I'm more comfortable with it, it's stage, but I definitely would like to cut my teeth in something in screen. But um, yeah, I, I just, th like, I, I think it is completely down to the fact that stage feels safer to me at the moment. But uh, yeah, I'd love to, I'd, I'd, Ideally, I'd like to strike a happy medium at some point, but I think, uh, I suppose, stage stage gives you the biggest capacity to learn from, especially when you're young. I think there's a huge amount of people that you're working with all the time that have vast amount of experience, and just by sitting with them and reading with them, you're going to learn a huge amount. Do you have a dream part in theatre? Um, I, I do, but it changes all the time. Uh, like it's funny we were talking about Romeo and Juliet just before it started, and like I was reading that over the weekend, and I was kind of like, I would love to play that part. Um, I'd love to play Bobby in uh, Company. Mm. I think that's an amazing part. And then there's a play. It's it's see, I kind of am a stickler for like I just want to be in that play. Like there's a play called uh, do you know the play Port by Simon Stevens? No, it's a great part in it uh, called Danny that I'd love to play. It's uh, it's just a really cool play. I did one of my scenes in Showcase from it, and he's only in like two or three scenes, but just one of those proper good parts. Yeah, yeah. Do you have that? Like, like I said, we met doing a musical. Yeah. Do you still have the little musical theater head in you? I suppose I do. Like, and it comes out like. My biggest thing at the moment is the Greatest Showman soundtrack. Yeah. I brought I brought Damien my housemate to it, and like he wouldn't be a musical buff at all. And I was like, Damien, you're coming to see this, and you will smile because I had listened to the soundtrack obviously before it came out. Sat down in the cinema, and I was kind of half watching the film and half gauging his response to it. So then, like, just the credits when it's like Hugh Jackman slapping the cane down, and he's like. It's 20th Century Fox. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what... You, and it's just it's just wonderful. I love that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I do. I suppose I do. And then it comes out at like in bursts of, like, oh, The Greatest Showman or Dear Evan Hansen. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's not as big as it was when I was, like, say, 16. Mm. Yeah. You said to me that your voice had, like, changed probably since I would have heard it last. Yeah. Which is probably five years ago. Yeah. What kind of change did it has happened with it and what did you do to change it I, I suppose um, I suppose when I was about 16 or 17 my voice was quite big for uh, a 16 or 17 year old like it was just a big kind of bass baritone sound and I suppose what like I did a lot of vocal training in the Lear which was amazing but I kind of stopped singing to the degree that I did and I think it I'm happier with the sound that my voice is making at the moment. It's less, um, I suppose it's less clean or there's more, it's also gotten lighter. So it gives me access to higher notes. Mm. So it's just kind of, there's a, I'm happy where it is at the moment. Yeah. In terms of the sound that it, it's not sounding like I'm Bryn Terrell singing Marriage of Figaro or something. It's like a happy, it's like there's a 20 year old, one year old singing. Yes. You know? Yeah, I guess yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, because I think that's a dangerous thing when you see, like, because we did, like, the musical theatre circuit when we were younger and stuff like that. And you see, and I was definitely a, a culprit of that, of, like, replicating the soundtrack. 
and that can be quite damaging for your voice when you when you're trying to replicate someone who's 40 years old singing Javert and you're like and the thing is funnily enough sometimes you can make a really similar sound to it but it's not your voice so I, I think I've uh, found a place where I'm happy with the a sound that my voice is making it's amazing like I think back on on those like times like when I was a teenager and I, I was definitely one who like thought like I studied acting in the end but yeah. I always thought that I'd, I would do musical theatre exact same yeah and it's so funny looking back and you know the way you, like you have all this like 10,000 hour stuff and I yeah. think back and I'm like I spent like it, it has to it, it's certainly hundreds of hours but I feel like it has to be thousands of hours in front of a computer with YouTube on exactly just st- doing exactly what we say yeah. It, like karaoke tracks maybe yeah. it, it, singing along with the 25th or, anniversary or did you ever remember watching uh, the, the like uh, Valjean comparison videos where it's like one line in a song and it's like 20 Valjeans or 20 Javert singing the same line and you'd be there looking at the comments to see if you agreed with what people are saying but I remember spending a huge amount of time doing that and then when like Love Never Dies came out I was like obsessed it was yeah. amazing <laughs> yeah it was class but that yeah a huge amount of time spent doing that yeah yeah, maybe the ten thousand hours were checked off. Yeah, maybe. maybe. So, like, I, like I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure it probably wasn't actually that long. But I just remember, like, like especially in the summer when we weren't in school, I'd just sit in and I'd be doing that for hours on end and so happy, so happy. And, and then you don't realize it's like you were on it at eleven o'clock in the day and it's half seven and it's dinner time. You're like Jesus Christ, Paul, get out of the house. Yeah, I know. It, it, yeah. It's funny. And what 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 made you want to start playing the piano? Basically. Um, there was a load of pianos uh, lying around the place on Gatsby just because of the nature of the production. And there, I was like, I really wanted to just start playing piano and there was a couple of songs that I wanted to learn. And then I just sat down. Like, I learned, like, I'm like I'm not learning, like, say, classical scales or anything. It's just chords. And then there, when there's a song that I want to learn, there might be a new chord in it that I... If I want to learn the song that much, I'll be like, okay, how do I play B flat or something like that? Yeah, because it's interesting with you as well. I feel like the route that like my career since drama drama mm-hmm. school has gone has been definitely haven't worked in like as high profile gigs, but like worked in a good bit. But also mm-hmm. in the off time, I found myself like writing a lot. Yeah, which is something that I love. Do you yeah. have an ambition to write and create your own stuff? Um, I s- I do, but I just. I'm an awful person for comparisons like I look at some of the young writers that like you'd see in theatre upstairs or anything and I was like I don't think I'm but that's something I really you're after a spark like I need to sit down and be like cause there's definitely stuff that I want to write about and there's what I kind of do is I know there's like someone in my ear Kev Creedon who's like I think he's a brilliant writer but he's actually doing the ferryman at the moment over in London and I just think he's a class writer I'm like sit down Kev write this and I'll be in it whereas I actually in the off time, I think I might write, see if I can get three pages out, four pages out. But uh, it's not, it's not so much a, as big an ambition as say acting by itself would be. Yeah, and it's so funny because it's one of them things that like writing is so, like acting. You've kind of, you, like with acting, you've got, you've kind of got someone to go out and do that for mm. you in the sense that you have an agent who's literally going to be off, hopefully getting your auditions and yeah. they'll say, Paul, do this audition. Yeah. And if you get the audition, it's like, Paul, do this job. Mm-hmm. And you're like, sorry, whereas with writing, as you said, it's about literally the only trick to it is boom on the seat and like then yeah. the job is done. Then it's done. You know, if if you write something good, well, that's great, but you can't control that. The yeah. only thing you control. So it's interesting, yeah, how like, you know, just, because I think it's a weird, it's a weird thing, like how, because I guess, especially, because you've kind of come out into a slightly 
different time than I would have. like I'm two years two yeah. years out before you so yeah. it's not a massive time no, no. but like even now like there's just a little bit more money going around and there's there's, there's m- and yeah exactly ex- exactly that there's and, and we've stepped into a time where like there's a huge shift in Irish theatre both like socially and politically and it's wonderful yeah so there's like work being done that wouldn't have been done before and like and in terms of the writing question like like we're blessed with like like the likes of Tom Murphy Marina Carr Brian Friel Nancy Harris we've got like so like when I'm working on stuff like like when you're even if you're reading them you're like what's the point like <laughs> you're reading scenes and you're like Ugh. but uh, it's definitely something that I think I should try to do even I think it's something that I'd enjoy whether anything came of it or not yeah yeah yeah. yeah. absolutely right we'll give it a spin let's go okay number we got two uh, number 50 do you have it I have none of these numbers Tom I think it's rigged it is rigged <laughs> number 50 uh, what are your dreams for the next five years oh god <laughs> what are my dreams for the next five years uh, to hopefully stop having to sometimes ask my parents for rent money mm-hmm. uh, to a lot of people would be surprised that you said that. I think I know. I it's it's because like you're, I'm obviously paying like student loans as well, and I'm I'm not good with my money. That's one of the things that I need to get better at. But uh, it's like it's expensive. Like it's between you and me, between you and me, and whatever listeners are out there. It's, it's it can be the guts of a grand a month between loans and rent, and. Uh, that's something that I'd like I'd love to have some degree of financial security to a point where I can comfortably not have to worry about rent next month or those things uh, I'd love to I like I did an interview with uh, the Irish Times and it's something that so I just like I'd like to get to a point where it's like that person's a good actor Do you know like to a point where it's like it's something that, because like uh, we're both aware that it's like you're incredibly, what's the word? Like, it's uncomfortable and you're self-conscious all the time. And I want to get to a point in my work and in life that it's like he knows what he's at. Mm. I suppose that's the plan for the next five years. And what work comes of that comes. Um, I'd like to hopefully have. I'd like to be balancing my time between Dublin and London if that was possible in the mm. next five years. Do you think that when you said that, I was just to clarify. Do you think that it's a case of like the people? don't think you know that you're at or is that the insecurity it's it's the insecurity I think it's in my like I th- yeah I suppose it's in myself to be like as if there's a camera on you of yourself that it's like that person knows what he's at mm. yeah so it's not because when people give you a job it's not them telling you that, that, that that's literally them telling you you know what you're at but sometimes that doesn't percolate through to you which I think I just need to go cop onto yourself and do it like yeah yeah. have you do, like in terms of just that transition from drama school to working on such high profile gigs mm-hmm. and it was just it was so instant did you had have you done any like stuff to just kind of mind yourself and look after like your mental health I suppose no no uh, I kind of like I kind of just uh I just kind of like let things it's like completely unhealthy I let things just sit and then they'll boil up and it's 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 quite dangerous I suppose but uh 
like I'm not sitting here like completely worried about my mental health but it's something that I'm definitely aware that I've been neglecting mm. so that's definitely something to listen to and when this finishes there'll be a month off and I think I want to I basically have a plan I'm going to go over to London to see a couple of friends for a couple of for a week maybe and then one of my family friends own a villa in Fort Ventura so I'm going to go there for a week and read and just chill out because I think half of like stress just comes from being busy and trying to and it's that thing of like trying to balance consciously trying to balance the other side of your life like your friends and your family Mm. which uh, yeah 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 I think that's the plan like it's funny as well just to go back to what we were talking about like the financial aspect of being a theatre actor even if you're like one of the top theatre actors in this country you're still going to be renting yeah yeah like 100% but on top of that like how many gigs realistically can you work if you have a really good year in theatre what like maybe five maybe six yeah let's say let's say how many months there's 12 months in the year so you could do if you did four three month runs that's like that's including a month rehearsal in each it's nearly impossible it's yeah to timetable that to timetable that yeah absolutely there's going to be two or three months like let's say you did let's say you had a great year and you did three 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 month runs that's mm. nine you'd be out of work say about two two three months like so like I don't like I don't know that like maybe it's just I'm shit with money that's like no <laughs> no like I don't my money like but I was talking to another actor in the cast with me and I was like isn't it like we were in this since the 22nd of September and not a penny saved like I'm just like but what the fuck am I doing with my money like but I think that there's probably a big misconception about like if you, if you right for example let's talk about Gatsby just for a minute because yeah. you were like literally the the main man in that show mm-hmm. it was this amazing production yeah. so much going on around it like uh, if you t- if you told someone what you make on a theatre wage they, they'd be like excuse me you're playing yeah. Gatsby <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the gate I, I don't know exactly what you're on but I, no I, no I no but it's that, ex- that response would be common because it's like because it's when people come to the theatre they they see this grand piece of art I suppose let's say that and that it's this thing that's in front of their eyes but there's like it's not the most it's just not as like it's not as glamorous as it appears on the stage in terms of like finance but like we don't like we both know that we don't like you you don't do theatre or half the work that you'll ever do for money and hope, hopefully you'll never do work purely for money but like it's mm. definitely something that would pop into your head like if you could do this awful awful film that was about like 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 something bananas but you would get like 40 million or something ridiculous you'd, you'd do it of course, of you course you'd do it but then you'd be like uh, there's that whole clash of like wanting to do the work that you want to do first and I think that's I, I, I think that's the healthier way to look at it that it's like I might be renting. I might have to ask my parents for money for the next year or two years. But hopefully I'll get to a point, even if it's steady theatre work, which I would love to be doing, that you can get to a point where hopefully you'll save, you'll get better at saving. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of them interesting things because I've definitely like, I've definitely done jobs motivated by the fact that like, this is good money and... It's so funny, but like I guess there's there's two ways of looking at it because I think about this sometimes, and I'm like, all right, do you do the the theatre job that will mm-hmm. pay you good money, or if there's nothing else going on, which there has been at times, other than this one offer, mm-hmm. you're like, or or else what I'll need to do is I'll need to go and work in a coffee shop or yeah. something. 
both are very like honourable things to do like yeah. they're both they're both fine things to do and like thus far in my career I've been at a place where I'm like no do the theatre job because you are an actor so go it'll be more fulfilling for you then yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I'm right but that's really what no I, I think you're right I think that's the yeah if you're if you're an actor that's I, th- I suppose I like I worked at Maxall in Maynooth during college and it was like just all like it was the people were lo- like you were working with wonderful wonderful people but it was fucking like I just hate like and I suppose it was because I was working at like seven o'clock on a Saturday morning you would have been out with your college on Friday so it was just like not a good mix of mm. like yeah but like I just didn't enjoy that job at all and I was kind of like if it's anything I'll do the opposite I suppose are you good at saving money yeah you're good I'm good you're no, a bastard I am good I, but I I, requ- I realised I was thinking about this this week I was like I require so little to live like yeah. really my rent absolutely rent is expensive I live in Dublin city centre that is my biggest expense by a million miles after that I do it super cheap so one of like my things like you said actually really similar like I I, I really enjoy writing so if there's any point where I'm un- unemployed I can nearly like block off like most of my day to be just like I will just write and that involves no money that involves, yeah. and I don't leave my house and I'll literally yeah. just like I, I, and if I'm writing I won't I don't really like eat that much if I'm writing or anything I have my gym memberships that's something that I do yeah. most days or I'll go running mm-hmm. uh, both free and I have a Cineworld unlimited card you told I'm, me to get that and I didn't my, do it no look <laughs> don't do it if you're struggling for money no it's not that it's not like but it's like and it's uh, like you're um, like it's not you're never like it's not like you're struggling for money. I'm just bad at saving the money that I should be saving. And I, I just it's that thing that that like I definitely my agents like Paul. It's the most dangerous relationship you have in the world is your relationship to that. But, but it's like it's not like it's the thing. Like I like buying clothes and and then I'm like, do you know what's dangerous? The tapping. Oh yeah. The tapping. I can't tap. I fucking. Like you tap and you're like <laughs> tapping away over Christmas, you're like, <laughs> and you're like looking at your account and there's X amount of money, and then like you're going to tap again, and then it's like not working. <laughs> and you're like, where did that fucking money go? No. And it's going on stupid things like you might buy a sandwich before work or something, and it's but it's like <laughs> it's I just think it's a bit gas as well. Yeah, it's just like it's naive. It's every single week. What, almost what's your, is your what's your relationship with your agent like is is she how much like advice does she give you how oh, she much she is like literally the best advice giver in the world yeah I'm really like really close with her because she saw I was lucky that she kind of signed me before showcase which was like I was very stressed about showcase because it's just such a stressful thing you're going and you're like trying to squeeze three years of training into a five minute slot and uh I signed with her before it and like we just got on very well and like like she's my friend as well as an agent so like it's yeah she gives great advice on everything from acting to life and yeah it's a really really healthy relationship I think yeah like so, so how, like, do, how often like so I'm just interested in the fact that yeah. like, she, she, like, she was talking about money so if you like have a thing and you just need someone to talk to she's an outlet for that 100% yeah That's and amazing. I probably I'm pr- I probably uh, use that outlet more than I should in terms of like but no I think it's I think it's important to use people who have experience that <clears throat> can give you advice on things that I'm learning and like when like I was working on Gatsby she's like look you're probably she basically said first couple of gigs you're going to do you're probably going to spend the money because you're young and you think you have money when secretly 
the 27th of this January is going to come around and you're going to be like do you have any jobs for me Larry? <laughs> do you know what that kind of stuff happens but uh, yeah I'll, I, I will get better at that between that and balancing life and work that's the goal for 2018 has there been anyone since you've graduated who's like maybe in, within the industry is what I'm asking who's been like very good at like just kind of put an arm around Jim Dave and like guide you through the last few months yeah, yeah I sup- like I was really lucky to be working with like Marty Ray and Owen Rowe and Gatsby and Owen again in this like those two lads were like like it's, they're just incredible incredible people and like to be sharing a dressing room with them you just spend a huge amount of time with them and like they'll be looking at you through your work and through your life and like they'll be like okay just start directing yourself that way or they'll they'll give you advice about like how maybe the industry like they because the industry might see you and but they're just like and they're both the best crack but I've had the luxury of working with like incredible people like I could literally list off the cast for both gigs and be like fucking hell but the, yeah like yeah special people yeah has there been any advice that someone's given you over the last few months that's really stuck out to you well this is more kind of like trivial but uh we were sitting we were waiting for the second act of red shoes the other night and we were all like the company were waiting behind the flats and uh dp go or dp and rosaline were both having a conversation about dying on stage they were both saying like right what do you do and i was like i was just kind of listening interested and she's like first off never die facing the audience and never die with your eyes open because dp was saying he was doing a show on the peacock and he did the most amazing death he was like going full socks and he died with his eyes open and he was like oh shit and he was like lying there for five minutes tears rolling out his face and there was another actor who shouted up at the other end of the stage so he just went like shut his eyes really slowly but I that's kind of like you but I find those bits of advice just gas because they've just like that's real advice for them it's like oh yeah don't do that now because of course like if I if I was to die today to try and make it the most spectacular thing and be like but in terms of actual proper advice uh um, I suppose, like, don't be a dick. I suppose, like, that's just. I think that. Well, that was actually from our uh, course director, Lachlan Deegan. He all, he said it to us all before we left. It's like, just to, like, be a nice person. And I think that's something in general in life to carry and be conscious of. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of inarguable. It's inarguable, like yeah, exactly. There's no, there's no other way about it. I had a like, great auntie Katie, and that was her, her thing. She's from Limerick, and she's such a small, the lovely woman. And uh, that was always her thing. She like was 92 when she died, I think. And up until the day she died, it was always her thing. It was just so simple, but it's nice to be nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just like yeah, 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 you're right. And <laughs> the nature of the thing is that it's a stressful industry that we're in. So it's like it's very easy for that to slip, and like. I actually got like the it's kind of in a similar vein but like there is like thousands and thousands of amazing actors out there but if you're a dick a good director might work with you once you might be less talented or of equal talent to that person but if you're a nice person and you step into a rehearsal room and you're full of energy and you're offering to the production or the shoot or whatever it is people will want to work with you and I, but I think that's not something that you can step in and be like I'm a nice person I think it's just something that you have or something that you have to be conscious of to be like and it's almost part of the job I suppose step into it in the healthiest way possible mm, mm. yeah yeah sweet right let's give it a spin let's go 
Okay. This one's definitely going to be one. Number 41. Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Number 41. If you weren't the nationality that you are, what is another nationality you would choose to be? <sighs> Spanish. Yeah. Because, a uh, bit of trivia, uh, my second name, Mescal, is of Spanish origin. Now, I don't look... I'm probably the palest Irish man you'll ever meet, but uh, the Spanish Armada crashed into the west coast of Clare, started doing their business, going around, and yeah, that's where my name comes from, so I'd like to be Spanish, I'd like to go back to my roots. When you said, like, going around doing their business, did you just mean, like... Riding. Riding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably not riding, probably not consensual riding, here. Oh, Jesus. feeling. Uh, yeah, gas, Spanish. So, what would that... Because I always think about that, like, with... It, in Spain, you could have been like in like those telenovelas. Oh, stop! Do you know those really the gas, dramatic soaps? Gas, yeah. Oh yeah, I'd love it. Hey, yeah, all those ridiculous storylines. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know why Spanish. I, I love Spain as well. Mm. Been to Spain a couple of times. Mm. I'll probably regret that answer when I hear it back. I'd be like, I'd rather be Norwegian or something mad. But, uh, it is interesting when you look at like, I mean, Spanish is a is, is such a popular language as well, but like English is just such a useful language to have. So useful, yeah. You just, you forget about that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Did you count earlier in Irish when you were using your fingers? Yeah, to count? I did. I, I, I did my like primary school through Irish and junior school through Irish, and like, I'm a big fan of the Gaelic. Yeah. Are you fluent now? I I support like I could definitely hold a con- I'd I'd like to, I definitely used to be fluent. I could definitely hold a conversation. I was actually I was talking to someone in Irish there last week, which was really nice. I find that really refreshing. What context did you manage that? Um, it was Damien, my flatmate's thirty. I'm not going to say his age. I'm sorry, Damien. It was his birthday, <laughs> and um, uh, one of his friends was from the Gaeltacht, and she was a producer on Ross Naroon, and I just was chatting to her in Irish. Walked all the way down to Workman's, chatting in Irish. Gas. Deadly. I yeah. loved it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Uh, Lanarai? Lanarai. Go right, Glenn. Uh, Excellent, Tom. Thank you so much. I like that. I had really good Irish in school. Well, I, I, I wouldn't say I was fluent, but I was like the step below Step it. below, yeah. I was like a B1 in honours leaving, you yeah. know, so I could more than hold my own, but just the minute you stop. The minute you stop, yeah. It goes. Oh, yeah. I know. It's sad. Fear hooked. hooked. I know it's a fit in eagum. That's twenty eight for our, <laughs> for our American <laughs> listeners. Um, do you believe in love at first sight? Oh shit! Um, shit just got real. Do I believe in love at first sight? Um, uh, um, I suppose my idea of what love is is different now that I've, I'm reading a book about like that. It's it's gonna sound. Uh, quite like anti-romantic but it's a set of uh, chemical reactions that happen in the brain and I definitely think that exists I think there's a feeling that you can get when you look at someone and be like yeah mm. yeah like it happened like it happened to me when I was 16 and yeah it was that like it was, it was yeah I'm in love with this person and whether it is what we say love to be uh, but it definitely is that feeling that I associate with love. Yeah. So I suppose I do believe in it, yeah. Yeah. Are you the kind of person, like, do you think that you fall in love easily? <laughs> um, no, I I think, I think I actually, I think it, I think I, f- I think I can, f- I fall, it takes a while for me to actually fall in love, but I fall in love with the idea of falling in love. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. 
Do you consider yourself a romantic person? Do I consider myself a romantic person? I think I consider myself uh, romantic and impulsive. Those kind of two things kind of rub off each other in the wrong way, I suppose, sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I like, I, I find the idea of romance and love very attractive. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, I do. Yeah. But like I, it it, it happened like that idea of like young love and all like that or no like young love that develops into like a proper love definitely happened when I was sixteen and I that happened to me for a long time and pr- like definitely the happy some of the happiest memories I have in my life from there yeah yeah one hundred percent it's one of them like it's one of them things because I suppose that's the that's like the the Romeo part of yeah. us isn't it yeah it's this it's this interesting thing because like. For me, I think it can be a case of, yeah, like, it, it, it's hard to sometimes distinguish, like, because like that, I think, and I wondered, is it connected to, like, talked about, like, like the obsessive personality? Because it's just this part of, like, your brain that can be just, like, quick to kind of... Oh, yeah. And it's so addictive. Like, that part of your, like, because it's, I'm reading a great book called The Social Animal, and it's that kind of thing of those, like little things that our brain are doing subconsciously that results in us feeling what we think love to be or what we... Because love, I read, isn't actually an emotion. It's a set of feelings. And I think if we go off that as the basis of what love is, I think it does exist. I think there's times like you could walk down on the street and you could see someone and be like, that's the real deal. Even though it's... You don't know who that person is. You don't know what they do. You don't know where they come from. But the idea of love... I think can happen really quickly mm. and sometimes that can be dangerous mm. not dangerous as in but like it can be if you're not uh, yeah yeah. do you think that do you think that it is important or difficult to have a relationship with someone in the industry do I um, it depends mm. I think it depends on where you where you are and where that person is in their life it's not something you'd rule out it's it's de- no i think well i think like i think in any industry if you were to work in there's a good chance you're going to be talking to to people that like have the same interests as you and i think it's definitely something i wouldn't rule out but it's something that can be it's it's a tenuous thing for me at the moment i don't i don't i don't say yes and i don't i don't yeah, I kind of lie in different places on it mm. from day to day, I suppose. Do you think? Do you think that like uh, you want to spend the rest of your life with one person whenever and if ever you might find that? Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever think about like kids and stuff? Do I think about kids? Yeah, I do. Like, like I've always said us that I like I'd like to, I'd like to be married to someone, kind of in my mid to late twenties because I don't want to. Uh, I'd like to live the early part of my married life just with that person and not have to maybe worry about having kids or those things. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think it's something. It's something that I've thought about quite a lot. That I like. I quite happily get married at twenty six, twenty seven, and then spend five to ten years maybe not having kids, and then and that's obviously completely dependent on what the other person thinks about that. But in an ideal world for me, that would be. Uh, where I'd that'd be an ideal situation for me yeah and why is that? I don't know I think 
maybe it's a, a comfort thing. Maybe it's a, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's just, it's, it's something that has always been in my head. Mm. And it's something from like, again, when I was like, I was in a long relationship for a long time. And then it's something that I was incredibly comfortable inside and maybe incredibly happy for a long time period of my life so I was like that's 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 what I understand comfort and love to be mm. yeah did like is it a case of within that like did you because it's funny like nearly all like it, it, I'm so silly as a person it do, it takes so little so am I okay <laughs> <laughs> it takes so little for me to trick myself into being like ah oh, this is it like 100% this is like, the rest of my life and, and I don't think it's I don't think it's silly in hindsight it's silly but I think I don't think you're consciously stepping into it with a sense of well for me and I just hearing what you're saying I don't think you're stepping into it being like this is going to be damaging for me and the other person because I'm I clearly haven't weighed up all the possibilities I think it's I'm definitely naive to certain things because I haven't learned them yet because I'm only I'm only a young lad mm-hmm. um but yeah I think it's very easy to trick yourself or not even trick yourself just like not examine all the possibilities of a certain situation Mm. yeah like my brain is like the most embarrassing thing about (laughs) myself (laughs) like is in i i have these thoughts like i'm so lucky that okay for example like (laughs) like even like i'm just so lucky that we don't have the ability to read each other's minds and I'm not saying I have this like incredibly weird and original mind I'm sure everyone's like this maybe maybe yeah. they're not but my brain the things that it thinks about and like certainly like about love and all that stuff but about anything and I'm just like I am so glad that like I have the capacity as a human yeah. to not say what I'm thinking out loud for example like if I meet someone or like like uh, go on a date with someone and it goes well or kiss oh, someone stop. for the stop my brain just my brain runs. just runs away with itself it's so embarrassing it's not I don't but like see I don't see it as embarrassing yet okay. I probably should uh, yeah but that's fucking mad isn't it isn't it that mad thing that's what I'm convinced love feels like though like that's the initial I, like I find the whole concept of love really confusing sometimes mm. because that feels real at that moment mm. doesn't it yes yeah it feels like but then you're like yeah, it's just so complicated. It's so fucking complicated. Yeah, it, like it. Just, I don't know. I find it gas of that question came up for both of us to be like, let's rant about love and what it is. I yeah. know, and it's and it's also and it can feel silly. I think sometimes that like, at, 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 are you twenty one or twenty two? Twenty one. Twenty two next month. Okay. Okay. So like, but it can feel like obviously so so. You were born in our early twenties. Well, maybe I'm, I'm. I could be mid twenties. I'm twenty four. That's definitely mid twenties. That is mid Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so I'm in my early mid twenties. Yeah, um, I'll give but, you that. But so it it it's silly to it it feels silly to to talk about. But yeah, at the same time, it's like um, it is. It's just I wonder. But I wonder is that one of them things that like as you get older, like lessons. And yeah, y- I hope so. Do you? Yeah, I hope that like I definitely there was a to go back to what uh, one of my football coaches, one of my biggest idols, Brian Murphy, said. He was like. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again and expecting different results. And I think to live your life and not learn lessons from it. And maybe you won't learn lessons the first time. Maybe you'll have to step in the kosher twice 
to learn that lesson, but hopefully not a third time. Mm. It's kind of my motto at the moment. Yeah. Or like to make a mistake repetitively and hurt yourself and hurt other people and not be healthy mm-hmm. by doing that. Yep. So I hope that that's the case. Yeah. yeah. All right. Sweet. Let's give it a spin. Let's go. Okay. Number 53. Do you have it? No. Oh, no. <laughs> This is oh I'm fucking raging. Oh, this is this is funny. Do you have an obsessive personality? Yes. We established this. Let's roll again. All right. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, number twenty nine. Yes. Oh, nice. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, this Happy is Christmas. Good. I think we've got time for one more after this one. Let's do okay. this one first. How do you feel about your hometown? Oh, I love it. Minute. I love Minute. County Kildare. I love Minute. It's so funny. Marty Ray would always slag me about like how much I love Minute. I just think it's deadly love the I had a great like I like a great time in Maynooth I had great friends from Maynooth and kind of Gaelic football and the beautiful castle that's there and yeah I just love Maynooth yeah I have a really healthy relationship with my town do do people from Maynooth kind of understand like what you're doing now for work and like the no they think uh, uh, no my friends from Maynooth do but a lot of them like lads from the football club are like are you still doing that dancing ball <laughs> I just like I've kind of gotten to the point where I don't uh, go like no I've just done a BA in acting in Trinity and da, 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 I'm doing this I just go ah yeah still taking away still doing the L dancing <laughs> but it's it, like I kind of love that though at the same time it's like come back come back to the football ball come back to the football it's like are you still doing that dancing that young masculine lad yeah so yeah, it's gas, isn't it? It's so funny, yeah. man. Like, as in, it's just, it's just so weird. You're the only person I know that could do both. At like, I, I definitely couldn't do it now. Like, it's the kind of thing you step out of it for a year, and it's, it would take me a while to get back into it. One hundred percent. But the fact that you have the capacity to like be at the top of your game in two completely opposite things in, in ways yeah absolutely yeah it, it's it, mad it's mad but like I spent like apart from looking up Valjean comparison videos <laughs> I was out playing Gav with my friends yeah yeah it, it's yeah. very funny so like if um, I yeah I mean the, the only solution to this problem is someone needs to write the, the, the football thing yeah and do like a live action like like a proper, like the worst thing that could happen is if they were like doing a ga thing and then the ga on screen didn't look real. Yeah, that would like irk me. It would have to be like proper. Like you need, like you need to smell the winter green off the screen. Like oh, I, I you know, it. oh stop. It'd be so good. You, I, we, let's write it. We, maybe this is your way. Maybe this is it. I okay. could absolutely write it. it. Yeah, it would be just so good. There was that. I mean, we need to find on home ground, and we need to see, like, learn from the mistakes that they may or may yeah. not have made. And um, very we, political. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I haven't seen the show, but like, I feel like it might have ran for one season. I yeah, don't yeah. think it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was successful. But um, but like, if you look at the cast, look at it when you go home. I will. I will look at it when I go in. Yeah. The uh, the cast like is really good. Um, like it was Lawrence Kinnan. I feel like Ian Lloyd Anderson was doing it. Amy Huberman. Amazing. It was. It was a really good cast. Yeah. Um. So anyway, right. Let's give it a last go. spin. Let's try to get you there. Okay, here we go. Oh, you got two. All right, well, look, let's see what we're... Let's see what we're, we're dealing with. Okay, we'll, we'll go for the two. We'll do it yeah. quick. Uh, number three, do you have it? No, I have four, okay. so that's no good. I don't have three. Uh, tell us about a memory that still makes you laugh. Memory that's still... Oh, shit, I need to do this quickly. Uh, oh, don't worry about time. We're fine. What? Let me think of a memory that still makes me laugh. Um, oh, 
it's just really uh, close to my memory. We were doing uh, previews of this play and there's a section in the play which was like quite a trouble section for like we would just kind of laugh on stage, like not overtly, but there was one night uh, DP was getting up on the coffin in the play and I'm not spoiling anything and he was getting off the coffin and he fell. <laughs> he was wearing a cassock and myself and Moorish were supposed to like carry the coffin and I couldn't breathe I was laughing so much I was just lucky that I was facing upstage and I apologise to anybody who was in that night but I don't think like my family were actually in that night and they didn't see it but I like it's the most terrifying and exhilarating experience to laugh on stage yeah and, <laughs> and like DP didn't give a fuck like he was just like that was fucking outrageous because there's nothing you there's can do there's nothing you can do it's like literally laughing at a funeral yeah it feels the same yeah it's that yeah it's that taboo it's it, and it's because you can't like it's so cliche, but it's because you can't laugh is exactly why you, why you do laugh. You need to laugh. That's so funny. It's so funny. Yeah. yeah. There, there's so many. There's so many good. There was apparently this story uh, um, about in Les Mis actually again, yeah. and it was this guy and he was playing Andra and I think he I think he originated the role and he came back like ten years later and he'd been doing it for years. Hmm. It was just his thing. That's what he. That was his yeah. day job. You know, he just came in, did the gig, and went home. And he's playing Andra and it was his last week on the contract, and apparently. You know, like Andre doesn't come in until like the end of Act One, really. yeah, yeah. And uh, such a badass, Andre. It's so, it's such yeah, a great part. But so he used to be like sick of like because he'd have to be in for like their hour call or half hour call, whatever it was. And he was sick, he was sitting backstage for like an hour, yeah. And uh, apparently, so the legend goes on the last run of the show that that um, at the end of the day is going on and it's all fine and all the lovely ladies are doing their thing. And then Valjean comes out and he, he breaks everything up, yeah. and um. And he comes to that line and he's like, God, sing a song. I can't remember. I actually would. And he comes to the bit where he's yeah, like, yeah. This is a factory, not no, a circus. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, when he said, This is a factory, not a circus, the whole stage clears. And apparently, Andras, last night of the contract, had dressed up as a clown, was found on stage juggling when all that crowd cleared. Fuck and when Valjean goes, This is a factory, not a circus. And he just looked at him and he goes, Fuck this! And threw, dropped the balls, and walked oh, off. Apparently, this is legit. On that, the where West did you End. hear that? On I, the West End. Yeah, I think I heard Jesus it from, from one of the guys who had done it. Like, because in fact, I think I heard it from Hadley Fraser, not to name drop, but yeah. like I'd who? Yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd like hung out with him a few times Class. in London, and when he came here, uh, he I, we kind of agreed if he was he was coming here in a gig, and he's like, look, I'll give you a shout. We went for a few drinks, yeah. and I think it was on one of these nights, and he was telling me this story he was telling us Fucking loads of stories hell. about what happens because if you're doing a run that long that's outrageous apparently that's true yeah um, but, but yeah I've uh, had my go at corpsing on stage it's not pleasant but it's hilarious it is funny yeah, yeah, yeah. okay sweet last one let's do it okay number 23 do you have it no okay number 23 question is oh a weird one to finish on but kind of nice when was the last time you said a prayer when was the last time I said a prayer I really can't remember I kind of I've I, I kind of made a decision when I was like in fifth year I suppose like I didn't see the point of prayers because I just didn't believe I was like I'd rather place like I'd say a belief system in something that I or other people have con- control over not something that is completely intangible to me yeah so you don't believe in God I suppose I don't believe in God no yeah. I suppose I don't no I definitely don't mm. yeah do you consider yourself spiritual in other ways or not? I I find myself, I, like, I, do, I don't believe in God, but I believe in 
sometimes look and fate and different things, but things that are kind of driven by people and connections. Mm. That's kind of something that I believe is a tangible intangible, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. You know, when people talk about stuff like, whether it be like the law of attraction or whether it be like Conor McGregor's whole thing of like, you know, I visualised this, I knew this was going to I believe in that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah, I believe that if there's, because because I, I, I think there's a genuine science to that. If you can visualise yourself in these situations of high pressure or high, it means it's not going to be as big a shock to the body when it's exposed to those things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, I, I do practice that sometimes, yeah. Mm. Definitely practice. Like that was, kind of goes back to sport and stuff that we were taught that. Yeah, actually, okay, and let's finish in this. Mm. What did that look like when they were teaching you to like, like, do that what did it what does it literally mean like on a practical level mm. you kind of sit down close your eyes and what was so funny is that we all it was our team and we were told to visualize like we did the whole thing of pulling out of nace we were driving to croke park because we were to visualize leinster final day and what's so funny the year that we did do that visualization we won the leinster final which i think like is just mad but we visualized leaving nace gaa driving the way down because it's a minor match, you'd see a smattering of fans, not too many. Like, it's really trying to accurately depict the picture. And what's so funny is that, like, a lot of it was very true to what I imagined. Or maybe my brain had formulated those things and put them together. But I remember going through and I was like, oh, I've seen this before in my head. So was there someone at the top of the bus literally guiding no, you? No, no, this was, this was, like, in December, January. This Whoa. is, like, before the season had started. Sorry, gotcha. Yeah, so it's like it's visualizing a point in the future that will be a high pressure, high stress situation and familiarizing yourself with that. And like trying to get a sensory, a full sensory picture of what it will be like the smells in the dressing room, the sounds, the, yeah, I I still, I still use that sometimes. Like I try to visualize opening night or like the worst possible situation and seeing how you'll respond to it. Mm. Yeah. Fascinating. It's kind of fun, like it's yeah. something that you do sitting on the bus. It's kind of like daydreaming. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Look, this has been deadly. Will you do me a favor? Will you yes. tell people about any Instagram, Twitter, any gigs coming up, or anything that you've just been doing? Um, any bits and bobs that you think are yeah. important? Um, any bits that I think are important? I'm running in the red shoes with a wonderful cast until the twenty seventh of January, and then I can't. Uh, there will be something coming up in the new year. Just not sure when yet. Um, but yeah, you can follow every doing that. Do that. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Instagram. I think it's Paul.Meskel. I'm on Twitter. Probably the same thing. I'm really bad at this, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Come and see the red shoes at least. Do that. I'm, I'm coming tonight. I'm excited Brilliant. to see it. Brilliant. Can't wait. Uh, Paul Meskel, thanks so much for playing. Thank you very much, Tom. Deadly.